This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everyone? It's Yegsko talking. We're here to break down and wrap up the World Cup qualifiers. Our first window, the U.S. men's national team has wrapped up their first window with five points. We'll talk about those games. We'll go through our stars and strikes. We're going to add a few new segments, one of them I'm very excited about, which is our tweets of the week. We'll go through our transfer tracker, so you're all cut up now that the transfer window has ended. But before we do all of that, we have a guest hosting with us today. If you've watched any of the channel over the last few weeks, you know him as Deutsche Yank. You might know his Twitter handle as well. Ryan, welcome to the show. For anyone that doesn't know you, tell the people what you're all about. Yeah, Jake and Tom, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, just your average USMNT supporter that loves riding the roller coaster and the emotions that they put you on. Uh, I live over here in Kaiserslautern, Germany, so I do have the luxury of being able to go to a handful of these games and actually see some of the Yanks that are in Germany in person. Uh, most recently, I luckily to go to Joe Scally's debut and see him as he took on FC Ka in the DFB Pokal. So it was fun to actually do that and actually go talk to the supporters during halftime and kind of see how some of the local people feel about him. And uh, hopefully that's what I, I'd like to bring to the channel and then bring to my Twitter account as well. Just trying to give you guys at least something of an inside scoop or boots on the ground. But uh, besides that, really just really grateful. And thank you guys so much for having me on. Awesome. Well, likewise, happy to have you. Obviously, if you've listened to us before, you know Tom, the aspiring astrophysicist and stats soccer nerd, is with us. I'm your other co-host, Jake. I have a few FA and USSF coaching licenses. So, Ryan, maybe you can join us as the color commentator, our man on the ground in Germany, since we have so many Americans there now. Um, so great. Let's let's start by wrapping up these games for the U.S. men's national team. So we leave the window with five points after after tying El Salvador away, tying Canada at home and beating uh, Honduras away in San Pedro Sula. It's been it's been a few days now after all that manic craziness that I almost have to remind myself what happened. So I'm just going to run through a few things because a lot of stuff happened throughout these games. Before the first game in uh, El Salvador, Timothy Weah was injured. Uh, Christian Pulisic had a positive COVID. Or, yeah, he did yeah. have a positive yeah, COVID he, test. He, he tested positive for COVID. That was part <laughs> I, of this whole thing. I'm getting it all mixed up now. Uh, Zach Steffen had a back spasm issue that he couldn't travel to El Salvador and then later had a positive COVID test. So already going into this first game, we were down a few people. After the first game ends, Zach Steffen has a positive COVID test. Weston McKinney is kicked out of camp for poor behavior. Um, Christian Pulisic Gio. comes back, but Gio Reyna, yeah, thanks, Tom, has the hamstring injury. And we just start going down like flies. We, we don't have many people left for this third game in Honduras. It's looking bleak. We have two points out of two games. 
And somehow the 18-year-old from MLS, Ricardo Pepe, comes in, has a goal and an assist as we beat Honduras 4-1. to one. Guys, that's a lot. Just tell me how you're feeling now that you've had a few days to think about it, to let it settle. Tom, maybe let's start with you. How are you feeling now? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. I, I would be feeling better if we had beat Canada, but I'm in general, I'll take five points. Hopefully we can use it to build as a learning experience for the boys and get them ready for this next window. I, I still am not going to be happy with the play that we saw throughout five of the six halves in this window. But the Honduras second half is an encouraging way to end and helps us build to this next set of games. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm with you there on that, Tom. Uh, definitely not feeling super confident coming out of it. We dropped points, I feel like, in both of the first two matches. Uh, El Salvador, we played poorly, but we created chances. That is a game that I looked back at it, and you, we. it's really a shame that we did not walk out of there with three points. Um, but, you know, credit to El Salvador. And then the Canada game, obviously, we kind of had a blunder, but... We were up at 1-0 at a point in time and just couldn't finish out a game. And then the Honduras match in the first half was the worst half of U.S. soccer I feel like I've ever watched in my life. Uh, felt like I needed some Pepto-Bismol at halftime, but then came out for that second half. And, you know, credit to Burhalter, He made the changes that he needed to. Uh, I'm going to hope that Burhalter learns a lot from this window. He talks about the players uh, making like learning a lot from this window, but I really hope that he does as well. And then looking at the next window, for me, it's uh, going to be seven points or bust. Yeah. So looking Agreed. at that next window, right, we play home at Jamaica, we play away at Panama, and then we end it home to Costa Rica. The This window, not only did we have multiple injuries, we were also ending the transfer window. So we didn't call in people like Matthew Hoppy, like Chris Richards, um, Yunus Musa was still recovering from an injury, just starting to get a few minutes in La Liga. Matt Miazga is starting to get some starts in La Liga as well. Now that we've finished this first window, the last 30 minutes of that Honduras game went well. But before that, it, like you said, Ryan, you weren't feeling great if you were a fan. Now thinking about this next window, like, does that give you a bit more confidence or how, how are you guys feeling going into the second window? So one thing that I thought was interesting was the Zimmerman call in, but he didn't play any minutes. So Zimmerman not get, getting any minutes during this window makes me really optimistic that Chris Richards comes in and fills that spot. Uh, he looked really solid in his first 90 minutes coming in for Hoffenheim. Uh, he had some rust to work off a little bit, but something tells me, I think they have three or four games before the next call up and the whole Everything that Chris Richards has to offer, his passing, his one-on-one defending, he's a beast in the air. Uh, I see him as a major upgrade, especially to help fix our problems of not being able to move the ball very well from defense to offense that we noticed in this past window. So that, for me, is going to be the biggest sub that we should see in the next window is going to be Richards in over Zimmerman. I agree. I see, think we will see more than just that. I do think we're going to see five or six changes in this lineup. Matthew Hoppy is a great example. Hopefully, personally, I want to see Jossi Zardes get another look. I just, even Jordan Pifok for me needs to be subbed out, and I would love to see what Zardes can do in these sort of away dogfight World Cup qualifiers. 
Um, for me, looking going forward, this next window is our easiest by ELO ratings. By if we look at the FIFA rankings, we have some of our easiest home games. I think Jamaica is supposed to be the easiest game that we play in this cycle at home. And Panama is by far our easiest road game. So we should be able to walk away with seven points and nine feels likely to me if we play anywhere near decent. That sounds very familiar to how we were speaking before <laughs> this first window. <laughs> we all know how that worked out. Um, I even forgot we we lost Serginho Dest in the Canada game. Like it was insane. Uh, so one thing that probably my biggest learning from this window is that depth is still an advantage for the U.S. Like we we had so many people out. We had so many people that needed rest or Tyler Adams, for instance, played all 270 minutes. It's it's just so important in these three game windows for seven days to still have that depth to step in and for the U.S. to still be able to grind that result out in Honduras after so much adversity, just kind of decimating our first 11. Um, I'm still feeling very optimistic that depth in and of itself, whether that's how Greg Berhalter uses it or how we feel about those players like maybe Giassi Zardes, that's maybe third or fourth on that depth chart. That still feels like a huge advantage to the U.S. as opposed to a lot of these CONCACAF teams that we're, we're playing. Um, so with that said, let's talk about our stars and strikes for this World Cup window. So give me your three stars first. Ryan, I'll start with you. Who really stuck out to you? I'd say one of the positions that was really up for debate in the USMNT starting 11 coming into the window was goalkeeper. It's not necessarily a debate because we don't have guys who can play it. I think it's really that we just have three guys that I feel really comfortable playing in that position. But coming out of this window, Matt Turner really impressed me. Uh, I'll be the first to admit, I don't watch a lot of New England Revolution, so I had seen all the hype on Twitter. But this was the first time I got to see him play in three consecutive games. And I watched him in uh, Gold Cup as well and was really impressed. I think one of the underrated parts of that Honduras game was when it was 1-1 and Honduras had a chance to go up 2-1 and I think that radically changes the game but Turner came up huge. Um, I think he's pretty strong with his feet as well if Berhalter wants to play out of the back so he was definitely one of the stars for me and I think he's kind of earned that spot to stay in there until something else happened or if he falls out of form. The second star that I have is going to be uh, Tyler Adams. Got to be Captain America. He's our guy. I think he should be wearing the armband every single time he steps onto the field, as long as Greg doesn't play him out of position again. Um, but for him to go 270 minutes and to be our one constant, the one guy we can always count on no matter what's going to happen, uh, it, it was really impressive to see him come through. I didn't think there was going to be a single player to play 270 minutes but uh, he definitely came through for us. And then lastly, uh, I'm going to go with Medford Messi. It was uh, Brendan Aronson. He is able to play multiple different positions, right wing, left wing, even played in the middle a little bit. Although I'd like to see Gio there over Aronson, but that just shows us, again, speaking to the depth that we have, uh, he showed a propensity to come in and make a difference every single time he was on the field. Uh, and he's got that kind of old, I know people don't like to hear it, but it's that old school, like American grit. He fights, he's a little dirty. He'll get a little chippy. I like that. I want to see some of that in our squad. We can't have all finesse players. So for me, it's Turner, Adams and Aronson for sure. Yeah. I like that you picked two players that maybe we expected to show out in Turner and Adams. Like they've been consistent throughout the summer. I think Aronson 
Medford Messi is one of the big winners. So someone that maybe came into camp, not really expected to do a ton, but be that depth player, but really came out just showing how much we can depend on him going forward. So Tom, how about you? Yeah, I agree with all three of those. Aronson especially had an amazing window, and I think he's one of my honorable mentions. I'm going to go with three different names. For me, the first name has to be Miles Robinson. Speaking of players who played 270 minutes, Miles Robinson stepped in and was immense at center center back all window. He stuck with uh, Alfonso Davies in that Canada game like glue. Davies couldn't get past him. There were times where Davies didn't even want to go 1v1 with Robinson because he knows that Robinson can beat him to the ball and is a strong defender to play him, uh, which is just an amazing thing to see out of an MLS center back. I, I really hope he goes to Europe because he's put on a high, highlight reel clinic for the U.S. over now eight games in a row. It's crazy. He'd never had a start before the summer. And man, I, I cannot say enough about just how good of a defender he is. After that, I'm going to go to the other Robinson on the roster, Anthony Robinson. I feel like Dest at left back was an experiment that we've tried too many times. We tried it again against El Salvador. It was horrible. We should just drop it completely. Every game where Robinson started or was a sub, he was excellent. He showed insane recovery speed. His play down the wing was great. He ended up with a goal and an assist. I I think he's the lockdown starter for me at left back right now. The way he's playing, is it's great. I love it. And last but not least, we're going to go with the debut kid from Dallas, Ricardo Pepe. I mean... Man of the match against Honduras, a goal and two assists, completely changed that game in the second half. And without him, I think we have a very different conversation today. So got to go with those three for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah even, is- over this, even over this weekend, Che to Pepe kept that train going. So uh, definitely love seeing that FC Dallas hookup over the weekend. That academy the, does not miss. <laughs> the Dallas Twitter admin has to have the fun, most fun job in the world right now. <laughs> Definitely. We'll, we'll make sure. I don't think they're on our tweets of the week this, this week, but we'll make sure to add them. Um, I did see a, a roster that was built entirely of players that went through the academy system. So if you're counting like McKenney, Acosta, even Matt Turner went through that system. Justin <laughs> Che, uh, Chris Richards, right? Yeah, like all, yeah, Pomacall. You could essentially make a starting 11 USMNT roster just from that academy. Um, my three stars are a combination of both of yours, to be honest. Uh, guys, we don't talk about this before we start the show. We just go <laughs> in blind to what each of us is going to say. Um, but I, I kind of cheated. I had my first star as the Robinson brothers, even though they're not related. <laughs> I thought Miles Robinson and Anthony Robinson had huge upswings in their stock on this team and essentially wrote their names in blood in the the team sheet. Um, They're not going to be changed anytime soon. And it's crazy to think that John Brooks is on one of the best teams in Germany. He's playing champions league. He was on, he was a locked in starter for one of the best defenses in Europe last year. And we walk away from this window thinking who, who are we going to pair with miles Robinson? For me, it's still probably John Brooks. I, I can't fault him that much, but Miles Robinson has just shot up the depth chart an insane amount. Uh, my second one was Ricardo Pepe. We had one uh, goal in the run of play before Ricardo Pepe comes in, and that was in the Canada game when Brendan Aronson scored. Ricardo Pepe had one goal and an assist, but he did have a hand in all four of the goals that we scored in Honduras. 
And then Brendan Aronson was that third star for me. Um, just did so much to to raise his stock in this team. And we know that Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic would likely be the starters on the wing. But if Greg will ever play with a number 10, I don't know if he ever will. Then we we at least know that Conrad, De La Fuente and Brendan Aronson can come in and be extremely effective wingers on this team. Before we go to strikes, did did anyone get reminded or want to change up their answers? No, I'm pretty solid on the three that I picked. Uh, I would just add in when you were talking about Gio in the middle. I, a lot of people think he can be a bit of a defensive liability, but if you watch him in the Bundesliga, he's not. And then also, two other winger definitely have that we're missing in this camp, Timo Weah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, uh, Our depth definitely shows. I, I do want to make a comment on John Brooks where I think we saw his biggest weakness in Honduras is that he just can't play out of back three. He's not used to it. He doesn't feel comfortable in it. And that I think was one of our major problems in that game. Yeah. Or if we do play out of a back three, just put him as the left center back, not as that central center back. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Sweeping up plays. And honestly, miles Robinson is kind of perfect for that. He has such incredible recovery speed. So Maybe we found our answer here in this little old podcast in the (laughs) the corner of the universe. Um, So to start off our strikes conversation, I want to mention something that that you guys picked out from the stars conversation. And that was actually something from Greg Berhalter. So in the El Salvador game, the way that we lined up, we had Brendan Aronson and Gio Reyna both on the field at the same time. But instead of playing Reyna as a midfielder and Brendan Aronson as a winger, Greg Berhalter switched them. So Aronson was playing an eight in a 4-3-3, and Gio Reyna was playing the right wing. For me, the the whole camp is essentially a strike on Berhalter up until he made changes in the Honduras game. But that, to me, was one of the decisions that just stuck out to me like a sore thumb, where you're you're intentionally not playing players in their best positions. But I want to hear from you guys. Maybe, Tom, we can start off with you for this strikes conversation. Who are you striking out from this World Cup qualifying window? I'm not going to strike out an individual player. I I don't fault anyone for their performances. I I think that everyone was decent enough or was thrown into a position that was so rough that I really can't blame anyone for anything. I'm going to strike the roster construction as a whole. Now, when we started this camp, when we had our last podcast episode, I was actually really positive about it. I didn't really have any strikes about the roster at all. Now, the fact that we brought five midfielders, we brought eight attackers and six center backs is wild to me. And the fact that we only brought 26 players, didn't replace anyone as they went down, is nuts. Why were we not calling in substitute players? Why were we not bringing extra midfielders if we thought we might need them? I I just don't know what Greg was doing, and it put us in a really bad position of having to call in Jackson Yule to complete a 23-man roster before the Honduras game. Because we couldn't bring in European players with a day to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like the the roster construction from the Gold Cup, even though we won it, was a a very uh, interesting, I'll I'll use that word maybe, (laughs) issue for the fans to talk about before that tournament started. Jonathan Lewis was one of two wingers that we brought. Paul Ariola got injured in the first game. John Lewis started that first game, if you'll recall as well, and then never saw the field again in that tournament. So for me, this is kind of the second run in a row that 
Greg Berhalter has had huge issues glaring holes in his roster construction. Ryan, did yeah. you see I, that? I, or, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Tom, did you want to fill in there? I mean, I'm just, I, if we're not going to construct a good roster, we at least have to fill it in in real time. And that's maybe my biggest gripe for the whole thing. Yeah, I don't think we're going to earn much credit on this pod for being a Burhalter fan club by any means, because he's definitely the first strike for me. Um, and there was a couple things. A, we've already touched on it, roster construction. But if you want to go game by game, as you were saying in the El Salvador game, playing Dest out of position, playing Geo out of position, playing Brendan out of position, then let's move into the Canada game, not making a sub till the 83rd minute. Like that's well, actually, the, there was an injury sub earlier on in the game, but that was forced on him. Besides that, but wait until the 83rd minute to make a sub in a one-one game at home against Canada. Uh, it's just inexcusable. I, I can't look past that. And Greg tried to touch on it and cover it up a little bit in the post-game interview, but I think it's it's definitely just a mistake on his end. And then if you go into the uh, Honduras game, the first half, as we've touched on, again was just atrocious. And then Greg finally saved his job in the second half, made a lot of subs. And some of the guys that caught a lot of heat for getting called into the camp, Sebastian Legette is everyone's favorite person on Twitter to kind of bag on, but he came in and played well. Uh, I think there was a lot of the MLS guys that looked pretty good in that second half, but I'm still going to go back to, as Tom was saying, roster construction. I think for there's no reason why we don't call in 30 players to the next camp. Uh, then we can get in guys that we've all kind of been harping on of Julian Green, De La Torre, because I don't like the excuse of, oh, well, they've never been in camp. They don't know Greg's system. Then fine, bring in 30. Bring in 30, let them practice with the team and get ready for the next window. There's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that. Um, One other strike that I had, I'm not going to put it all on him, but I thought, you know, James Sands was noticeably poor uh in the honduras game but again to not put it all on him he was played not in a position that he's comfortable with that falls back on greg he is another guy that if we needed to could play that center back in a back three to where he can step up into the midfield and kind of break up play of the other team and then lastly third strike the the big elephant in the room is uh weston mckinney uh, i'm just really let down and disappointed in that one thing that i saw in the paramount plus coverage after the the game i think it was the canada game was charlie davies really speaking to his experience and i thought that that was exactly what mckinney maybe needs to hear is i mean i remember being 23 you still feel like you're on top of the world i can imagine being 23 and having millions of dollars in the bank account i would make tons of stupid mistakes so i'm not going to totally put that on him but strike one he did this at uva already strike two he did it here so I'm going to have faith that McKenney is going to learn from this and know that he has the opportunity that people dream about to play in Italy and to play for your country is something that you can't look past. And Davies definitely touched on that, that when that dream got taken away from him, it, he spent a decade trying to make up to his teammates, to his family for that. So I, I hope he's not exiled from the team. I'd love to see him in the next window. There's got to be some sort of, you know, kumbaya moment with the team. I'm not sure how McKenny goes about that. Maybe you guys have some ideas on how he can kind of make amends to everybody. But for me, again, three strikes are Burhalter, Sands, not totally his fault. But and then McKenny just for making irresponsible decisions and letting down his team. Yeah, Tom, how do you feel? I mean, Weston McKenny is one of my favorite players to watch. He just he has an energy about him. He's got a great personality and seeing him 
disappoint the team and sort of jeopardize this window was really, really disappointing. And I, I hope he learns from it. I'm still that age, so I, I totally understand making really dumb decisions. But at some point, you've got to mature and help the team out. You've got to be a leader, especially when most of your teammates are younger than you. And it, we, there's, just, there's just no excuse. I was in Nashville. I get it. I know how fun of a city Nashville can be. But, man, you, you just you can't go there in the World Cup qualifying window. Just wait a week. It's the biggest week of your life. Just You just got to have that self-control and discipline. And it's really sad that we didn't see that. You know, I think we need to create some new uh, podcast policies because Tom broke curfew last night. He's hung over for this episode. He he might need to go, get suspended until next week. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see how well that works for, oh for next time. <laughs> yeah, be, being a college student, we can't put any sort of like monetary fine on him. So yeah, we'll have to figure something out. Very true. Uh, very true. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, to to that second strike on James Sands. I think I'm after rewatching the game. I might put that strike on whoever gave him those cleats. He, he was like playing on, on ice skates, it looked like. He was slipping everywhere. And Weston McKinney, I think uh, Greg said it after he got sent home, but that he's happy to call him in in October if everything seems okay with, with him. He got the start at Juve uh, over the weekend. So I'm hoping that it couldn't have been too bad. Nobody on kind of the outside of the team still knows what happened, so we'll leave it at that. But coming back to the team i think you saw a range of uh reactions right like landon donovan went on a podcast and said this was almost irreparable i don't know how he's going to make it up to the team some others were saying this isn't that bad he'll be back everyone will welcome him back i think the way i see it is it's kind of a middle ground is that the team probably feels like wes let them down because he broke the rules and because he kind of forced Greg's hand to send him home, not because of whatever he did was so terrible. So I think, yes, there is a way back. If he gets called in in the next window, say your apologies, mean it, and act better. Do better next time. Um, but yeah, for me, those strikes are kind of like, this This was almost a, a reality TV show worthy seven days <laughs> that the U.S. had. And that's not indicative of how it usually goes for this team. Um, so any honorable mentions for the strikes that we didn't get to? Mm, none that I could really think of off the top of my head. Uh, I would just kind of echo what you're saying about this did feel like a reality series camp. So uh, I feel really bad for the guy that has to edit those behind the crest videos for YouTube. <laughs> He's going to have a tough job. There was no mention of Weston <laughs> McKinney in that Canada one. There is a behind the crest already out, and there is no mention of him. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, 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 I feel bad for even the U.S. Twitter admin, like having to sort of paper over all this. It's it's not a fun time to work for USMNT right now. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So in our last episode, it was just wrapping up the transfer window. We had a few days left until moves could be made. Since then, I think, let's see, Chris Richards moves to Hoffenheim on a loan uh, with a buyback option. Uh, Matthew Hoppe moves to Mallorca in La Liga. He has not seen the field yet. He was on the bench for them uh, yesterday. Who else has moved that you're looking to see some of these new players in, in new places? 
Um, I'm going to start with Eric Palmer Brown. Uh, he got his loan move out of Manchester City for the year. He's headed to Troyes in Ligue 1 in France. That's a great move for him. Uh, beyond that, two other really exciting transfers. We had Nicolas Giacchini to Montpellier, also moving up into Ligue 1 in the French League. Um, and then we got Karen Carter Pickers going off to Celtic on loan as a center back. So we have three players making moves there, five or six that made great, exciting moves on transfer day. And Cameron Carter Vickers scores in his debut. Yeah. <laughs> Can't ask for better that. Yeah. And they had like, he already tweeted out about it, like 60,000 plus in the stadium. Just what a feeling to be able to go to a place like Scotland, go to such a well-known club, basically the biggest club in Scotland and on your debut, debut do that. Uh, you know, it's probably club legend already. Yeah, it's yeah. fun to watch those players too. Timothy Way, I remember, had a loan spell there as well. So having a reason to watch that 60,000 fans that are so on top of the ground is amazing to see as a neutral. Um, maybe we'll just talk about who are you most excited to see that's in a new team? So someone that moved throughout this transfer window. Ryan, maybe we'll start with you. Who's your one to watch? Uh, I touched on it already, but I'm definitely a Chris Richards fanboy, big fan of his game. I think he's the type of player that can potentially play that center back role in the back three as well. But he can he's proven he can play on his right. He can play on his left at Bayern. He's even played some right back. So his versatility and his knowledge of the game, you, I mean, there's a reason that Bayern tried to keep him. But they, you know, let him get some playing time over at Hoffenheim. The coach that he's playing for at Hoffenheim actually used to be his coach with, uh, I think it's Byron B. So he's had experience with there. Sonis knows what Richards bring to the table. And that's why he's trying to get him to stay there in Hoffenheim. Uh, over the weekend, he had his first debut with them and immediately into the starting lineup, immediately 90 minutes. Uh, won six duels, completed 75 passes, was dominant in the air. So I think that's the perfect environment for him to continue to grow in a mid-level Bundesliga team. Um, and then one thing, as I was kind of searching through Twitter, I'd like to shout out, I think it's at USMNT Truther. I think he wrapped it up for all of us. And he said, Chris Richards is everything that I want to see in a center back. Chris has the ability to break lines. He's clean on the ball. He's defensively stout and doesn't lack effort. Uh, I can, tr uh, I truly did miss watching this guy play. So I agree with you hundred percent at USMNT truther. I missed over the past window, not being able to see him play. So knowing that he's back in a lineup where he's going to get 90 minutes every weekend and correct me if I'm wrong. Are they in Europa? I don't think they are. Are they? No, I don't, think, I don't so. think so. Okay. So unfortunately not be able to see him play any sort of inner or play in Europa or Champions League, but I think they're still in the Pokal. So letting him get a bunch of minutes for a young 21-year-old is is huge. And I definitely think he's kind of the future of our defense for USMNT. We'll, we'll allow it for being in Germany on the ground for us. Um, Tom, who's your who's your man to watch? I'm going to go Gianluca Busio in a really terrible Venezia team. I <laughs> An old, older move, but still this window. I'm really excited to see how he plays and see if he can help them stay up. I think his last game yesterday, he was excellent. Um, Venezia finally got a win. So I would love to see him break out, show out in the uh, Italian, in Serie A, where we can, you know, hopefully get another midfielder in our camp, someone who's looked really good in his Gold Cup minutes with the U.S. 
Yeah, Venezia is now above Juve in the Serie A table. Let's uh, go. After three games. And they also have Tanner Tessman, uh, an American who has made a substitute appearance so far. And actually one of the players that we missed on our transfer tracker earlier is Jack DeVries. He was a Philadelphia Union Academy player, made his first team debut for the Union this year and is moving to Venezia's academy team or under 23 team but he's expected to move into the senior team at some point this year. So, Venezia, thank you for gobbling up these young Americans and allowing them some playing time in an amazing league that really adds to the technical layer of what we're trying to build for our team. So with that, let's move to our three favorite tweets of the week. Let me bring them up here. So the first one is something that we talked about for Weston McKinney and Nashville and just our players in general. It's from at MLS Buzz says, if there's one thing we've learned in the last 24 hours, it's that Nashville is way too fun of a weekend stay for national team camps. Way too many parties, bars, and single women in their 20s. Looks like we need to head to Cleveland for the remainder of the World Cup qualifying cycle. Guys, what do you think about this one? Should we move to Cleveland for the rest of the World Cup qualifying cycle? Uh, one thing that I've definitely never heard in my life is, hey, let me tell you about this awesome weekend I had in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine from Ohio has referenced it as the mistake by the lake, but I guess that's an internal Ohio thing. Uh, I'll just take his word for it for now. But uh, we definitely want to have places that uh, can keep the players focused while also offering a good time and making it a fun destination where the fans want to travel to. So it's going to be a tough call for U.S. soccer. Yeah. Yeah. As a former resident of Nashville, I can agree that if you are young with money in Nashville, you have way too many opportunities to get in trouble. That city is nuts. And most locals <laughs> hate it because there is some wild times to be had there on Broadway with party buses, with the insane number of bachelorette parties that are always crawling around downtown. It's it's a crazy place. I, I don't know how U.S. keeps anyone from going out and partying in that city. <laughs> I did see Jake. Virginia Dest uh, with his mask on being photographed at 11 o'clock at night on Broadway in Nashville. I know that was a, not our Twitter post, but that probably is my favorite social media from this camp. Because <laughs> instead of going up to the guy and asking him who he is, he takes a photo of him and puts it on Reddit when he's standing eight feet away. And he had a U.S. soccer mask on. But, yeah. Ryan, sorry, you were going to say something? No, just one, one other thing on Cleveland, just so I don't get too much smoke from all the Cleveland fans out there. This is also something that we did not plan. Again, we didn't discuss this before the pod. But I actually am wearing an AO Cleveland uh, T-shirt <laughs> in this. So, you know, all love. So all love. You. Yeah, all love to AO Cleveland. And hopefully we get some games out there because you guys will definitely show out and represent. Don't hurt me too bad on Twitter. This is a uh, national scarf on right now. There we go. <laughs> the, the tale of two cities. Um, I, maybe I'm going to age myself with this YouTube reference, but have you guys ever seen that YouTube video? That's like, we're not Detroit. And it's a yes. song all about Cleveland. Yes. <laughs> so oh, we, we do love the Cleveland. Maybe uh, if our boys get into trouble in Cleveland, we'll have to move them to Detroit then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on to our next uh, tweet. And this one is going to get a bit more statistical. So, Tom, I'm going to try and rack your math brain and stats brain. It's from at AM Calabrese 12. He says, the United States of America has won a road qualifier for the first time in 
get this, 2,885 days. 2,885 days since we won a road World Cup qualifier. Honduras broke that spell. Guys, what the hell is your reaction to that? It's not a good stat. <laughs> not a good stat <laughs> I think it's a great stat. Not good for the U.S. men's national team, but excellent. I mean, yeah, prop, props for counting that out. If you guys want to go any further into that, I did look it up. That was October 15th, 2013 in Panama City. That was the San Zusi game where the U.S. beat. Uh, yeah, that was the we were beaten yeah, yeah, yeah. in two extra time goals that we didn't need to qualify for the World Cup, which saved Mexico. And saved Mexico. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so kind of wish Zuzi didn't score those goals or score that goal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's that game is the last one we won on the road before this one. It's just crazy to think that that's all the way back in 2013. Uh, yeah. I think I've lived in let's see three different states in two different countries in that amount of time so yeah it's, it's incredible to think of As yeah if you want to throw it back any farther i was a junior in high school ouch yeah, <laughs> way to make us feel old time you're, you're really suspended now <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so our last tweet of the week is from christopher kerr at kerr c17 he says, I really feel like this is the 92 dream team being coached by a washed middle school gym teacher who went on a six game winning streak once. Hashtag U.S. men's national team. <laughs> Guys, we talked about the strike for Greg Berhalter. We're obviously not in the fan club. What do you think of this? Is this the 92 dream team being coached by a middle school gym teacher? I would definitely say it's more talent than the USMNT has ever had. And so when you, I feel like any coach that doesn't get the full quality out of this squad is going to be pretty harshly judged. Uh, but I just thought this was a great tweet. Uh, if you're out, if you're listening or like our stuff, I definitely recommend to follow Chris Kerr. He's full of good knowledge and he typically has some good, good comments like this. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a great comment. I'm not sure I would go far as as far as saying that they're as good as the 92 Dream Team, which I'm pretty sure a sixth grade washed out gym teacher could have won a gold medal with. <laughs> I don't think that Burhalter could win the World Cup with our roster if he tried. Um, but it, it's a great point. I think Burhalter is out of his depth with the most talented squad the U.S. has ever put together. Yeah, Tom, Tom, did Tom, did they teach you about that in your history class, or were you even alive yet? How do how do you know I, about I, the 92 U.S. Dream I, Team? I have watched a lot of basketball. I was four years from being born at that point. I was not born until after the 1996 Olympics. Yeah. He watched the ESPN 30 for 30. And now now <laughs> you're just goading him for information that will make us feel bad, Ryan. <laughs> All right. So, guys, I, I need to make a comment on that one as well. Maybe it's not the 92 Dream Team. Maybe it's not a washed up gym teacher. It is a team full of Champions League players being coached by what I would consider a slightly above average MLS coach. And that is where the issue lies for me. So, yes, dream hires would be coaches that can handle that level of talent. And at the moment, I don't see that happening. Anything else? So, Tom, you mentioned the Serginho Dest uh, infamous picture on Broadway. Any other social media posts that stuck out to you guys this week? No, I think that's it for me. 
Yeah, nothing that I really noticed. Uh, there was a handful that I went through and definitely laughed at. Uh, so guys, definitely keep them coming. And if you guys are interested, feel free to, you know, maybe at Jake or at myself or at Tom in some of your USMNT coverage. So therefore, you know, we'd like to involve you guys in this podcast as well. So therefore, it's really a community and we continue to get people's names out there and grow everybody's accounts. Definitely. And there's room for everyone. The fact that Ryan is here is a testament to that. If you guys know Tactical Manager or Eleven Yanks or Yank Report on YouTube, they were a huge help to me getting my channel up and running. And maybe that's a good time to say as well, wherever you're listening to this, give us a review, leave us a like, subscribe to this, and it will really help allow us to grow the channel and the podcast and have a few more listeners next time. So we're going to move to now the games that are upcoming this week. We'll do our best to just update you guys on what to watch and how to watch all of these games. I think it's actually insane when I was going through this, thinking about the Champions League games that are upcoming. So very quickly, I'm just going to run through these because there are so many Americans now in the Champions League. So on Tuesday night um, afternoon, if you're in the U.S., Champions League Group E kicks off. Serginho Dest on Barcelona will take on Bayern Munich. Uh, Jordan Pifak on BSC Young Boys will take on Cristiano Ronaldo and Man United. Brendan Aronson and Red Bull Salzburg will take on Sevilla. Uh, then we could have a clash of Americans with uh, Timothy Weah on Lille and John Brooks on Wolfsburg taking on each other in the Champions League Group G. Champions League Group H will have Christian Pulisic uh, against Zenit, although Christian Pulisic has an injury. It looks like he's going to be out for 10 days and might miss this one. And then Juventus and Weston McKinney will take on Malmo. That's just Tuesday night. So let's go to Wednesday. Club Bruges, Owen Odesawi will take on PSG to kick off Group A. Zach Steffen and Man City will take on Tyler Adams and Jesse Marsh for RB Leipzig. Uh, and if I miss anyone here, guys, just let me know. I'm trying to go through this. And then we'll wrap up Wednesday night with Gio Reyna potentially being back, although it looks like he might be sidelined for a few weeks. So Dortmund will take on Besiktas in Group C. That was yeah. I know. I know. I know <laughs> Marco else? Royce, Marco, uh, Marco Rose definitely said that uh, Gio is going to be out for at least a few games so i'm expecting that to be probably till october so hopefully he gets healthy soon but definitely pumped for this week it's tough being out here in germany because those games start at nine o'clock and then so i'm up till 11 11 30 got to be up for work and stuff at 5 30 in the morning but uh definitely looking forward to this week yeah this is my first week back in the office on tuesday wednesday thursday so like you i'm in the uk some of the late games start at 8 p.m and I'm an early early to bed, early riser, and these are super difficult. Um, Tom, you're seven and eight hours respectively behind us. What's the game that you guys are watching? If you had to pick one game, which one is that? Oh, I don't know. They're all during classes for me, so it'll be a little <laughs> bit different. I, I'm, I'm going to try and catch some of the later, like the 3 p.m. starts for me. Um, would love to get a glimpse of maybe the Real Madrid intergame, even though it's not a U.S. featured game. I've got my eye on Brooks in the Wolfsburg game, even though I don't expect Weah to play. I think he'll be out. Uh, um, I Hopefully we'll see McKenney play. That should be a great game as well. But I think Dest will be out for the Bayern game as well, unfortunately. It, it's going to be a great window. I'm excited to see it. One of my favorite parts about 
living in New Mexico is the games are lunchtime for me. So I can actually Perfect. like take a break at work and like come home and watch a, a chance league game and then go back and get back to work. So I, it's always a game time decision for me to see what's on and see what I put on there. I'm definitely excited to see. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see uh, Leipzig, to see Tyler Adams, see if he's back in the lineup, but also to see if Jesse Marsh can start to turn it around a little bit. Uh, he's had a bit of a tough start to the Bundesliga season, but, you know, RB Leipzig did lose a lot of pretty key players from last year's squad. So it'll be interesting to see Jesse Marsh kind of coming in with a different team into the Champions League. He does have some Champions League experience when he was coaching with Salzburg, so not necessarily his first rodeo, uh, but hoping to see that team turn it around a little bit and start gain, gaining some momentum. Uh, I would like to see the Leo Wolfsburg match. Again, the American clash, always a good one to see. And then lastly, I think that the Sevilla Salzburg game is going to be a sneaky good game. Uh, definitely a, a talented young squad for Salzburg. Sevilla is one of the stronger teams in La Liga, but I definitely think that Salzburg has a history of kind of surprising some people, especially in the opening rounds. Yeah, and Salzburg, I think I saw their uh, Champions League roster is the youngest roster ever registered for a Champions League play. That includes Brendan Aronson. So wow. it will definitely be a good game. I, I do want to say I agree with you. You took the words out of my mouth for RB Leipzig. Trying to get my RBs sorted <laughs> here. Um, Jesse Marsh has had a really difficult start to the Bundesliga season. He's not only had difficult games against Wolfsburg, Bayern, uh, Stuttgart they won and I think Mines they lost just some really difficult games they lost three or four of their key players to their main rivals uh, Bayern Munich for the, the league title at least and Jesse Marsh I think is expected to finish in a Champions League spot in the Bundesliga season this year even with a bit of a depleted team so I'm hoping they have a, a great test against Man City this week to, to kick off their Champions League campaign and we'll see how that goes. But I'm a huge believer in Jesse Marsh. I've followed him since the Vancouver days, but I'm a, a Red Bull fan at heart and watched him in New York. Um, I'm just hoping for the best from Jesse, who I think will eventually lead us in the 2026 World Cup. But hey, that's not for me to decide. Um, so guys, let's wrap up here. What did we miss today? What's one thing burning in your mind that you want to make sure you tell to the people? Uh, the one I'm thing that's still burning. Up today. Oh, you go, go Tom. Ahead. Go for it. <laughs> I'm going to finish up today with a shout out to the American Outlaws. Um, I was in Nashville for that game. They put on a rocking night before party, put on a rocking tailgate, and they were loud the entire time in Nashville. I was down there with the drummers. We were having a great time. Just, just shout out to them for bringing the noise and always showing up for these games because it's, it's such a key part of our World Cup qualifying cycle. And just thanks to AO Nashville for hosting a great party. Yeah, you bring the noise, we'll bring the ruckus, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely known for that. If you ever have a chance to make your way to a uh, USMNT game, just you can go through the parking lot and you'll find the AO tailgate. It's definitely always a great time. Uh, maybe a couple uh, people dressed up in some cool costumes. I think I saw Ulysses S. Grant out there on the drum lines. So that was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, I always love seeing that part of AO, but the one thing that uh, I'd like to kind of keep on keep on banging the drum for is going to be Julian Grant or Julian Grant, uh, Julian Green getting called up into the next window. He's definitely struck. He's playing with a really tough squad in Groot and Fit, uh, but every single time I watch him play, if we're missing people that can link up through the middle, 
it's him. He can link up play. So be sure to tune in, maybe watch a couple of his games if you can over the weekend, and we'll see what the community thinks if he's actually warranted of a, of a call up for the next window. Another German homer, Ryan. Yeah. What's, what's with that? Off <laughs> um, right. Gates. I'm going to leave anyone listening, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the podcast apps. I want to ask you guys what uh, Tom's uh, fine should be. We can't financially <laughs> fine him. We can't suspend him from the next episode. It looks like his uh, he might have froze, so he can't hear any of this. Um, but let, let us know down below or send us any tweets to let us know what fine Tom oh, should get on. for this oh, next. Uh, next. Sorry. <laughs> My, my my phone overheated, sorry. <laughs> and I file uh, there. Uh, right on cue, Tom. Right on cue. <laughs> All right. The old everyone. the old phone overheated excuse. Yes, yes. <laughs> classic, classic. So thanks everyone so much for listening or watching wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again so much for following us and we'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.